Welcome to the Bodywork Adventure, a production of the Bodywork Guild. On this adventure, we hear from Neil Powers. Neil's been a rolfer for nearly 50 years. At a recent five-day workshop in Saratoga Springs, Neil shared his insights on the art of integration, understanding integration in your own body, and tips and techniques for implementing integration into your sessions. This audio was gathered from the first lecture of the five-day workshop. And here's Neil. One of the most important parts of this work that I've learned is to observe my own behavior, my own behavior patterns. Uh, it's kind of like a 24-hour meditation. And uh, with my uh, delightful OCD tendency, I can take it to the extreme quite quickly. So, but there's a strength in that. There's a strength in uh, being one's own observer. And in particular, the theme of this workshop is integration. How do you integrate a body? And you first, here's my recommendation, is you first integrate your body. You practice integrating your body. You practice understanding, feeling what it is to be connected. Uh, I'll give you a little history of my experience with Dr. Rolf in and out throughout the workshop. Uh, okay, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, I, I went to Esalen in 1970, I think, and I went to get out of the uh, college insanity of uh, billy clubs and protests and all that. I'd kind of had enough of it. So I went to Esalen, and uh, I wanted to study with a guy named Fritz Perls, who developed Gestalt therapy. I was very much involved in the encounter groups. And Dr. Rolf came down the hill, and uh, my attention went to her. I just felt drawn to this incredible uh, entity and energy. One of the first things she was trying to teach us was this inner sense of up. And I think in retrospect, that inner sense of practicing up was the beginning for me, I'm pretty sure it was, of learning about integration, becoming more a whole person. She used to say, top of the head up, waistline back. And uh, Neil, OCD tendency, was doing everything top of the head, waistline back. Sitting on the toilet, being drunk at a party, <laughs> sitting in a movie theater. I could hear people behind me going, what the fuck's with that guy? He's slouch, man. But here's Neil, Tadum. So, I, and I practiced that, but I just took it to the extreme. It, it's like one of the things we notice in body work, here's an aside, one of the things we notice in body work is we have people, clients, friends, ourselves, have restrictions. And to me, more often than not, it's an overstrength. It's like an area that has gotten so developed that it can't let go. It stays in tension. So Neil, on the toilet seat, at the movie theater, at parties, I just took it to the extreme, it became an overstrength. It became not what I was looking for, it, it just became too much of a tightness. And I watched other people kind of try and grok this thing that Dr. Rolf was talking about, about uh, being upright, top of the head up, waistline back, and there used to be a, uh, a beautiful rolfer who, in his own style, developed touch by feeling tone in the body. 
And I don't mean muscle tone, I mean vibration. He was a musician, a violinist, if I remember correctly. And so that was his developing strength. And you're, uh, uh, I just remembered him. Um, so he would, uh, he would run up and down Big Sur. Big Sur is one of these along the cliff roads, if you've ever been to Big Sur. And Dr. Rolf used to say, top of the head up, waistline back, elbows out. So Owen James would be running down the road, waistline back, elbows out, top of the head up. And it looks so ridiculous to all of us, except Owen James, who is starting to get this sense of maybe uh, just a whisper of what it is, what Dr. Rolf is trying to explain to us. She didn't talk a whole lot about core and sleeve. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept. Uh, if you really briefly, sleeve is the doing part of the body. Core is the more of the being part of the body. Um, and the frustration I felt from Dr. Rolf was that she, she, no one would listen to her except these damn hippies. I mean, you know, there are a few doctors, but most of us were just the 70s generation. And uh, I, I think that really, uh, uh, it's, it saddened her to a degree. But nonetheless, she did the best with who she had, which was us. And uh, her words uh, still stay with me, and her, she had a way of uh, pausing in her work that I want you to use in your life if you're not using already. And it's kind of that thing you're in an argument with your companion, and, and finally you just, or one of you just goes, listen, let's just take a break here. Let's just, uh, let's breathe, or let's, you go in that room, I'll go in that room. And uh, she had a way of, uh, when she would do the work, she'd lean forward, and then she'd rock back. And there was this kind of rhythm to her work. Uh, and you'll see it in the videos and the films, this kind of forward and back. And it's a little like any one of us that eats some a food, and it's kind of delicious. And you don't want to wolf it. You want to kind of, whoa, you want to roll your eyes and uh, savor it. And, oops, sorry. Uh, in the beginning, um, I was kind of like a junkyard dog on my clients. I mean, I would just like work on them, not in them. And uh, I think that's an overstrength of early practitioners is to work too hard, too fast, and not pause not stop. And I want in this class, when we are working on each other, we are working on each other, you've got tables, um, to practice pausing. Now, the, the, in retrospect, we'd all be in our class with Dr. Rolf, and she'd say, okay, let's take 10 minutes uh, for tea or something like that. And we were like, gone. And she'd be there in her rocker, and she'd stand up, and then she'd go do something. And it was that pause. She would f find her line. Uh, that's how I saw it. Now, my other colleagues would go, I never saw that. I mean, you, you have to, <laughs> whatever I say, take into consideration that it's my perception of what she said or how she said it or what she did. But I, and I remember, uh, uh, one of my overstrengths is observing. So I'm always kind of catching these little patterns. And uh, in retrospect, I remember her pause. And uh, I, I see that as very valuable in our work, that kind of don't keep touching, stop touching, or do some work and then evaluate your work. It's like an artist doing a painting. You don't just see them. I mean, some of them you see that, you know, they've, they just work away. But a lot of them, you see an artist, and then they kind of step back, and they look at it again, and, 
there's that moment of um, uh, there, there's this feedback back and forth. So integration. Uh, I'm going to make an assumption here that all of you do some form of body work or touch. Uh, that's just a general assumption I'm going to make. And um, at one point, Dr. Wolf was quoted in a book, something to the effect of, anybody can take a body apart, but few people can put it together again. And the Rolf community went crazy. How can she be? How, how can she talk like that? What is, what's going on with that bitch? You know, it's like, she can't talk to us like that. We're important people. And, and uh, I and a few others were going, yeah, I think she's pretty right on. I don't know what the hell she's talking about, about putting a body together. And uh, it, it's... It's something that I'm continuing to develop, and that is putting a body together. There was a point in a theater, a huge, huge theater in San Francisco. Um, I was sitting next to a colleague. He, he and I were working in the same office, and he had Rolf, this guy, this very famous guy at the time, who started in a series of seminars, uh, and his name was Werner Earhart. And uh, we were all excited about Werner Earhart and his teaching. And uh, my colleague uh, had worked often and a lot on Werner. So we're way upstairs uh, in these tiered uh, Coliseum seats. And uh, Werner comes out, and he's about this big because we're so far away. And she looks over at my colleague and she said, he's had too much work. And we looked back, and I was like going, uh-oh. And I didn't know what she was talking about. But, he, but then in retrospect, it was all about you can't just loosen everything. You've got to connect it to a something. That's what we're going to do. We're going to just kind of, I'm going to give you these uh, concepts, these experiences of what it is to connect what you have been easing, relaxing? How do, you, how do you develop this sense of relationship to the central body, to the being, to the core? And primary is to develop it in yourself. And it's a practice you just do like brushing your teeth. I mean, you just... You, it's just something that I encourage you to make uh, a part of your life, um, a part of your being life, is to just observe yourself. Uh, you don't have to concentrate on it. You just, just notice. Uh, at this point, any questions? Okay. So, how to take a body apart. I think we're all developing that sense of how to take a body apart. And let me be a little more specific in that. And that is, um, Dr. Rolf used to talk about the body as an onion, that it has layers uh, within itself. And you first start to work on the outside layer. The, and then you start to go deeper and deeper. If someone says my psoas is really bothering me, I smile and uh, I'm polite. And uh, then I don't go to their psoas. It's just not, uh, it, it's ineffective. I first go, okay, they say their left psoas is really tight. Well, there's a good chance if the right left psoas is tight that the right lower back, more surface to the body, is restricted. Sure enough. Okay, so I'm going to come back here and work on the opposite side of the back and see if I can get it to ease. And then, uh, then uh, I'll go, okay, wait, wait a minute. Okay, if that's the case, 
then they're probably bearing a little more weight on this leg. Uh, that means that there's a good chance the lateral ITB is tight and the medial adductors are tight. So there, you, there's this puzzle, but I don't want to go to the deeper puzzle. I want to go, okay, ITB is more surface than adductors. So first I'll do the ITB, this more surface. Hey, the adductors are starting to let go. I haven't even worked on them. And there's a release that happens in this compensation wave that I can start to affect by just working on the outside of the body. And they may be, uh, there, there are people that get very disappointed with me. Would you please just work on my psoas? It's like, I'll get there, I'll get there. I just kind of, as polite as possible, um, dismiss their demand. Doesn't happen all the time, but you get these high performance people and they, they know what they want, not. <laughs> but they still know what they want. So I actually try and refer those people to other colleagues. Who is that Olympic, uh, Brian Orser? Is that a skater? It's, it was this Canadian skater who was Olympic gold and all that. And, and he came to me and he said, this work here, there, this, there. And I just, I, I actually, I worked a little this there and this, and I just said, you know, I, you have to find someone that, um, respects your direction more than I do. So that was the end of that relationship. <laughs> I was reading a book. I love to read books. And there's this, it's called Lab Girl, I think. And... Uh, the, the, the theme of the book, has anyone read Lab Girl? The theme of the book is the difficulty uh, a woman has in a male field like science, research. And within that, within her, within her work, she said something that just kind of, I love quotes. Quotes, I'm sure they inspire all of us. And she said, the roots must grow down before the sprout grows up. And I thought, oh, how beautiful. How beautiful to think that you, you first, if you're a plant, you've got to go this way before you go that way. And in retrospect, I was a plant without roots. I, I am a very doing person. Relax is not a word in my vocabulary. It, if it is, it's got small lettering. Uh, it, I, it's not one of my strengths at all. My overstrength is doing. And, and so I've been, um, all my activities, uh, college wrestling, um, I, I would just, um, I use this part of my body more. And with that one comment uh, from that author, I started to know, realize that it really is important to have roots, have a down to have an up, not just an up all the time. And in this larger field of integration, in this larger goal of this class, that's one thing we have to look at. Do we, do we look at a person that needs more of this or more of this? And in the art of integration, that's one of the themes you need to keep with your work. You have to start to, you have to, start to be the artist, the sculptor in this work and realize that that body's gonna look a little better, I think, if I give it more grounding. And if I give it more grounding, it's actually gonna go up more. And, uh, as you start to, as I started to realize that I needed more roots, it shifted, it enhanced my work with integration. It totally made change, a significant change in my work. More importantly, it made significant change in me. Uh, I became, even though I'm a, it's my overstrength, this doing thing, uh, I became more 
taking more time to pause, taking more time to feel my energy this way versus always this way. Now, Dr. Rolf used to talk about the lumbodorsal hinge like it was, uh, she said, you can never, Neil says, uh, Dr. Rolf says, you could never really uh, get a person in touch with their lumbodorsal hinge until the advanced work. Well, that saved me because I didn't know what she was talking about. I thought uh, lumbodorsal, LDH, you know, do, do, do. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. And also, and also she kind of allowed me to dismiss it for advanced work. That's a hard concept for me to grasp. That's a, it's still, it's still a, a uh, difficult concept for me to experience, and that is that lumbodorsal hinge. And in the handout uh, for sessions eight, nine, and 10, uh, one of the symbols, I think it's for session nine, is this uh, star pattern of all movement comes from the lumbodorsal hinge. Just think of it as a star right now. And uh, you can, uh, why I handed out those papers, by the way, is because not knowing uh, how you've been trained and what you've done with what you've been trained in, I just wanted to give you that as a, as a, uh, as a theme for the sessions. So I can, so if I say something like, in sessions, two and four, let's do sessions two and four with this person. You kind of know, okay, Neil's talking about feet and uh, medial line. And if you don't, by the way, it's okay. Just say, uh, Neil, uh, tell me again what four is. I, I, don't, I, I don't care. I don't have any charge about your questions. I don't think so. I can say that now. But I mean, if you say like, oh, that's a stupid question, I'm not going to ask that. Ask it, please. Don't hesitate. It's like, what are you going to lose? So lumbodorsal hinge. It has a lot to do with integration. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought it was a hand going up. Okay. Um, my challenge in uh, my ownership of my core, of my moving being, is that there are several areas along my spine where I integrate arms and legs. And that's kind of uh, what you need to look for in your own self when you're walking, when you're doing any activity, is where's the, where's the part that connects my upper body with my lower body? Uh, and that's important for integration. That's really important. The, the, uh, and I, I, I want to emphasize you do that in yourself first, because if you don't have it in yourself, it makes it very difficult. It will make it very difficult. It is difficult anyway for you to get a person in touch with their connecting upper and lower body. Now, all of us have clients that say, oh, yes, that's interesting. We just fix this, will you please? Just, uh, this is really hurts. Uh, and and uh, a good percentage of my clients, that's them. Neil, this, here, there, there, this. Uh, and uh, my shift now, and I'd say in the last five or six years, and I've been doing this for 48 years. I mean, it's, I still feel like a kid in this. I still feel like, uh, uh, well, a kid, in the sense of excitement and learning, but uh, it just looks like a long road, <laughs> such a long road, which is okay. It's a good road. But to get a person, an individual 
that doesn't come into my office and go, Neil, here, there, and here, uh, uh, is a challenge. Because we're good at addressing these things, and they come back, and our income stays the same or goes up. Um, but every once in a while, more often than not now, people come in, and I... and it's a shift, it's actually a shift in my intention to uh, have them own more of their inside, more of their body. And I'm sure in many of your practices, you see people come out and they just look so much, they look longer. Length is an important one in this integration thing. You know, they get in the car and they realize, I've got to adjust the rearview mirror. It's, what is, what's going on here? And they, um, so there's that, that ownership sense that they're, that they're looking more inside themselves. Now, I think it's my shift that affects their shift. Uh, shift happens. And uh, so I'll name, I'll name people that, you may be familiar with it and you may not be, but anyway, these were people that, I, that were my colleagues uh, above me. They had studied with Dr. Rolf and I came in, I was kind of the cheerleader and they were the quarterbacks at the time. So, um, oh, I just, uh, Peter Melchior is uh, a Rolfer who, uh, is now gone, but there was this poignant moment. His wife was talking about uh, he's dying. He's got cancer. He's he's dying, and he he's muttering and he's saying these things. Uh, and if you've ever been around someone who's that ailing, their, their words come out and they don't make sense and all that. And and um, but for a few days prior to his death. He said, I want to stand up. And Susan was like, oh, yes, honey, uh, yes, yes, honey, yes. And I want to stand up. And uh, finally, she realizes he wants to stand up. So they help him. And she's sharing this in the uh, memorial. They help him get up on the bed, and he's teetering like this. And and then he really wants to stand up, and, and and they get him up like this. And he pauses. He finds his line. He goes, okay, that's it now. And he goes back to bed, and a, a day or two later, he passes. But there was that moment where he, he kind of wanted to go home once more, so to speak, in his body. And uh, I, I think of him standing. I think of Dr. Rolf coming out of her rocking chair while we've just scattered. And she just finds that moment to remind herself, my perception, of what it is to be upright, quietly. The paper that has handed out is from a, a colleague, teacher of mine, uh, Emmett Hutchins. And it's a little esoteric in places, but it's, or in a lot of places, but it's, uh, it's just kind of a roadmap of the sessions. Um, do most of you do the 10 sessions that are practicing? Most of you? Um, I know there's auditors in the class too, so that, that's you don't, safe to say you don't need to nod your head. Uh, again, I want to encourage you to develop your own style. Um, is that a question? No. Um, when uh, when Dr. Rolf would talk, she would say, do you see that? Do you see how that pattern of that uh, movement is? How when that person reaches for something, they contract their left side? Do you, do you see how they tilt their head to the right? Do you, do you see how there's no movement here? Do, and... I couldn't see it. And, uh, or we'd have a model walk in front of us. 
do you notice how the pelvis is? And I couldn't see it. I just didn't, I, I mean, gross things. You know, someone doesn't have a leg. You see how they limp? Yeah, I can see that one. But, but, um, but the, uh, the subtleties of sight escaped me. And I thought I was a great observer. I, I just didn't see it. But I learned to nod my head a lot. I really, did you see that? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah, oh, saw that, yeah. Didn't see it. But I was a good head nodder. Then for some, <coughs> for some unique opportunity, <coughs> I had to take Rolfing to China. It was a uh, supposedly a scientific exchange, and this was back in the early 80s. And everyone wore Mao outfits. It was bizarre. Men and women, these gray outfits. And uh, so I took Rolfing to China, along with uh, Stacy Mills and some other people. And um, I went for a massage. I figured, well, oh, try out a Chinese massage. So they'd say, lie down. And I lie down, uh, take my clothes off. No, 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 keep clothes on. OK, get my clothes on. Then they put a sheet over me. I thought. Uh oh, this is weird, and uh, and they did their uh, their massage, clothes on, sheet on. And I came back to the states, and uh, and I was still struggling with seeing. And this was like ten years I'm into my practice, and uh, and I just, uh, what is that about China? What what is that? A sheet on top, the clothes. Uh, so a client comes in, and I've been struggling with this client. And I struggle with a lot of clients. This is not unique. Um, and um, I put the sheet over them. It's a warm sheet. Oh, this is great. So now I can't see the body, but I feel the body. And now my touch starts to develop. Now I start to, now I start to feel what surface muscles really are restricting connection to the deeper body. And I start to go, this is fascinating. This is, uh, uh, and if any of you have, I know I roughed Andrew recently, uh, if any of you have seen me in private practice, everyone gets a sheet now, a warm sheet. I mean, in the 70s, you rarely were people in their underwear. I remember Dr. Rolf at one point said, Make sure the women wear bras. 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 So a client calls up and uh, she goes, I'd like to set up a session. I go, make sure you wear a bra. <laughs> she goes, yeah, okay, okay. So she comes and um, I say, okay, uh, get ready. And I, I always let the person get undressed by themselves, like most of us do, and I go out and I come back in, and she stands up, and she's got a bra on and no panties, and I go, <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, so I said, you lie down. I went in the other room and lied down myself, trying to put this all together, and uh, so that was a time of that years where very little underwear was worn. And now we're, now we're back to underwear. So everyone's got underwear. That's cool. And, if you, and when I teach in Japan, um, they not only have underwear on, then they have, what's it called, modeling? Some outfits. They, they put on outfits over their underwear. I forget what it's called. Uh, but anyway, the men have these shorts, uh, lycra shorts, and the women have these sports tops, in addition to their underwear. So, 1981 or two, I'm back. Uh, I start putting sheets on people. Then I close my eyes. I mean, I'm just, uh, I, I'm looking too much. Now I get a better sense of things. Now I start to, now I start only, not only to feel the surface pattern of holding, but I start to feel the need or the, inability of that surface holding 
to feed into the central axis of the body, the integration of the body. So now I'm, you know, uh, you go to a concert and you see some pianist and they're playing, and they close their eyes. It's like, how do you know where those keys are? How do you, how can you be in bliss and know the various chords? And now I know that, that they have done it enough that they can do it with their eyes closed. And it actually enhances my ability to uh, integrate a body. Now, the problem with that is I can't teach it. The last thing I think you want me to see is to put a sheet over somebody and do work. It, it just is, I don't think it's a valuable teaching tool. It, it is not a good teaching tool. But it's something you can play with. And it's something you probably already are doing. So, how to integrate a body. One of the things I do, one of the things Dr. Rolf trained me to do is to watch people, observe. I mean, I was already doing that as a young man, a younger man, but I, I really, I just take it all in. I just, uh, and it's not, uh, there's no judgment to it. I can say, there's just, oh, that's interesting, that's interesting, that's interesting, how they move. So I'll first ask a client, uh, often, if you could design the session, where would you work? And I'm sure you have your way of saying where you need work when a person comes into your practice. And I'll just watch their gesticulations. I'll just watch how they uh, point to things, what arm they use, uh, what, what's their head doing. And it's just like a series of photographs. I just, da, 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 da. I just take it all in. And uh, then it goes somewhere. But then it comes back. And it may come back in frames of images. Um, Moshe Feldenkrais, I studied a bit with Moshe. And he was talking about, this is an aside, he was talking about scoliosis. And he said, uh, you're either born with it, in other words, it's in your gene pattern, or it happens. And he said, one of the ways in which a, this is Neil remembering what he said, one of the ways in which um, a scoliotic pattern happens is proud parent lifts the child up on these legs that aren't not even crawling yet and go, look, look, I can get the kid to stand up. And meanwhile, the adaptability compensations are starting to uh, affect this child. Uh, Moshe's, Moshe said, you've got to have the kid crawl. Crawling will really help keep the spine lengthened and all that. But he said it's the crawling is essential to being a proud parent. Then, he says, 11, 12, 13, a young girl is violated. She's, she's uh, violated. She starts to look at the world uh, askance. Are, are, you, are you for real? Are you telling me? And here's the scoliotic pattern from the head down, the, this uh, way of looking at the world. And you have to, I have to, when I sense that, boy, I really have to be guarded. I really have to be, I have to come from um, more than love. I just have to, uh, I have to be careful. No jokes, no, uh, just, just do the work, Neil, just do the work. Come from love, do the work. Um, and eventually, uh, a whisper of a comment comes out, and uh, then more of a statement of what happened comes out. Not all the time, but enough that I can go, I, I kind of have a, um, I don't know, maybe it's fear that comes up. I don't know, whatever it is, I, I all of a sudden get a little tingly, and I know I've got to be really careful with this person. 
So, I want to integrate this person. And they have all these behavior patterns that don't help. In fact, they hinder this person. They have a way of walking. They have a way of standing. They have, we all have these habit patterns that we've developed over the years and we're good at. And I, in the beginning, I thought, oh, I must do that about six times a day. You know, I'm brushing my teeth, uh, standing on the right leg. I'm, oh, I'm shaving, standing on my right leg. Huh. I'm stepping off the curb with my right leg. Huh. Oh, I'm stepping up on the step with my right leg. Hmm, something's going on here. <laughs> but it's, we, we have these patterns that are so like water and fish around us that it, we're not that aware of how often we do it. And what I thought was I'd do it six times, it's maybe 600 times a day. I, I mean, I'm exaggerating maybe, but it's, it's getting aware of these patterns that will help you as an individual in yourself uh, be more aware of it in other people. It's just, it's good to notice. And just notice it. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm, uh, we're our best judges, but uh, just notice it. And by the way, it doesn't mean sitting like this all the time. And it doesn't mean brushing my teeth on both feet, legs. Uh, it just means, oh, there I am again, huh? Why am I always putting my pants on with my left leg first? I don't know, that's, that's, and then I'll notice it. I did it again. Why, why do I take my right shoe off before my left shoe off? Huh. It just, there's just these little uh, ways to just observe, not make judgment or pattern, but just notice there's a pattern that's developing and probably has been there for quite a while. Mm. Uh, obviously, this work is physical. Obviously. Um, I think it's the oldest form of healing, touch. A and I think uh, it's important uh, for you to take care of yourselves. It's very important to take care of yourselves. The... Um, Emmett Hutchins, one of my colleague teachers, in the later years, um, he would do the work and his knuckles would go. And I went, oh, that's awful. That's awful. My hands are now doing that little. Like, like, it's just, uh, it, it's all of a sudden, I get to a level of, of, uh, I can do this, and the body starts to <laughs> the body starts to let go crumbly, and it's like it's um, it's humbling to to watch uh, all of us uh, develop a strength, and then the tide totally shifts a little. It's just I don't mind being humbled. I just don't want to be humbled a whole lot, and that's kind of what tends to happen. I'm sure you've all seen it. Someone goes, look at this beautiful photograph. And you look at yourself and go, ah, my hair. Or, or uh, uh, gee, do I look fat? Or, you know, I mean, <laughs> we all have these ways of looking at ourselves. Uh, and someone doesn't see that in the photograph. They just look, look at the trees. And, and you're like going, I would why am I wearing those shoes? Yeah. It's very funny. So, we will do work today. Uh, is it okay I'm kind of going around like this, kind of grabbing thoughts? And I mean, if it isn't, if you would need something that did it, uh, I'm actually not the person. <laughs> so, getting back to the body, getting back to the structure, getting back to working on the outside first and then the inside. No matter what session you're doing, you work on the outside first. If I've given 30 sessions to someone, 
and they come in, I first look at where's the restriction on the outside of the body. They're, they might be saying, I really need a head session, Neil. I really, I just, I've had these implants, um, whatever. That's deep work. I don't want to do, is everything okay? I don't want to do that deep work. Uh, I'll first go to their neck or their shoulders or their arms or their forearms. Uh, and I'll start to work outside in. And here's the thing about strain in the body. Here's one of the things about strain in the body. Strain resists pressure. If you shake a hand, if you shake someone's hand and it's, it's too tense or it's like, what is, what is this, a wrestling contest? You know, you just, you go, but it's, there's too much tension in the handshake or you put your hand on someone's shoulder and it's uh, tight. Strain resists pressure. It pushes back. It feels like it pushes back. But really, it's just like in a state of tension. And the, the I, I want to say trick, but I'll say it anyway. The, the, no, I don't want to say it. The, the, uh, I'll say it. The trick is to uh, find a way to get the surface strain to let go. And you do it gradually. And you can ask for movement. If you don't have the hand strength to uh, get something to let go, ask for movement. Put some pressure on it and say, elbow out, elbow in, turn your wrist. Uh, they participate in the change. And uh, that's not one of my strengths. My strength is my hands. And I can, I can pretty much mold anything. Uh, but I've learned over the years that the way to enhance their understanding of their body is um, to ask for movement. And, 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 and that's so essential in integration is you want to ask for movement when you're doing a particular move. Now, one of, for me, one of the best places to start if I'm, one of the best places where I want to go to, let's say, not start, where I want to go to is the leg's relationship to the pelvis. I just find, and this, of course, is guided, I think, by my own pattern of needing to continually reinforce strength in my sense of groundedness, is I want to find a way where when I ask for knee forward, some of you say knee up, but I, I, I'll say that too, but you're, they're, lying, um, they're lying supine and you say knee forward, and you don't want this hairy to grab. You want actually the knee to just kind of float up. You actually want the leg to come out of the pelvis as the knee goes up. You don't want it to contract. If you want to integrate a body, you ask for movement, and you, you, get to a, for, you first get to a place where there's a restriction. You ask for movement, and you see if you can anchor that, and then ask for movement. And until the elbow or the knee starts to move without restriction, that's integration. You're starting to get, you're getting in the pool of integration when you can ask for movement and there's no shortening. Dr. Rolf used to talk about it in the spine. She'd say, look at that spine. It, they're, they're walking and the spine is uh, going too anterior as they walk. Well, that wasn't enough for me. Uh, I had to uh, step back, so to speak, and why is that spine going that forward, that anterior? And part of it is their behavior pattern. Part of it is the way they like to stand. And the way they like to stand also affects the way that we move. But for me, I found over the years, if I really want to start to affect the spine, in my work, in Neil, I have to start to ease this relationship between legs and pelvis. Yay! Question. So, um, integration is starting to integrate when you've got movement without shortening. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, good question. Uh, one of the quotes I really love of Dr. Rolf, and she would say that Neil remembers, uh, that uh, I, I just I go through this so many times because Jan Sultan will be next to me and go, he, she didn't say that. I said, yes, she did. And, you know, it's like little kids. Um, but she would say differentiation is a hallmark of maturity. And wow, that is that can cover all spectrums of morals, uh, uh, decision making. Differentiation is a hallmark of maturity. Yeah, differentiation is primary to the differentiation is the doing is the uh, extrinsic work you do. That's that's the work you do on the surface. You differentiate the quads from the ITB, from the hamstrings, from the adductors. You want to differentiate these muscle groups into their own entities, and but that doesn't integrate. That kind of makes the body a little loose, a little too, kind of looser. You've got to connect this differentiation that you've done to the central body. Yeah. Yay, another question. So when you say that, Yeah, yeah. Letting them make the connection in their head. Yeah, and I don't know if it, uh, uh, yes, but I don't know if it always happens in the head. Uh, I just, uh, it, it, I know what you mean. Somewhere, body, mind, somewhere there's that connection. And I don't have that, or I don't do it. Uh, if you listen to some of the audio visuals of Dr. Rolf, she knew how, she knows how to do it. There you go. Now, did you, did you just feel that your breath, there you go. Uh, and Peter Melchior would do the same thing. There you go. That, that, you just, did you feel that breath change? Did you feel your spine fall back? That part of uh, owning that frontier. That's not my strength, but I, I like the song. I mean, I like the lyrics, uh, but it's, it's, yeah. That's why I want you to develop your own style because, well, you have no other choice. You've got to develop your own style. But some, some of you, um, we all have strengths. Some of you will have that ability to talk to someone's inner self. There you go. That's right. They, did you notice that? Did you just see what happened? Dr. Rolf used to say, now, doesn't that feel freer? Now, doesn't that feel lighter, and they'd go, yeah, it does feel, you know, every once in a while there'd be some renegade, which I don't feel a thing, or I don't think I feel a thing, was often the thing she would say, they, they would say, they'd kind of joust her a little, but uh, you don't mess with her. So, yes, differentiation is a good beginning. It's an essential beginning. Ownership is to get that client to own that uh, it's, I can move it without having to contract somewhere else. It, that, that's the art. And it's a total, and you've got to, I'm talking to myself, you've got to, Neil, you've got to do it yourself first before you do it for other people. And that means over and over and over again. It means it, making it a practice, a daily practice. I just had a horrendous week last week, but it had some uh, it had some I don't know what it had. Anyway, I went to three funerals. And um, all, one was a client, one was a neighbor, and one was my father-in-law. Within a week, boomity, boomity, boom. And um, it was interesting for me to feel my grief. And uh, see it as a process of uh, letting go, 
and then appreciating the moment. Here we are all together, relatives, neighbors, uh, and it, it's, it was just a fascinating week. In retrospect, at the time, it was a hell of a lot of work and orchestrating these various events. Um, but it, uh, it definitely softened my... Um, I'm not a bully, but it softened my pushness to do things. I just thought, this is a good time to reflect. This is a good time to appreciate the moment. That's one of my overstrengths, is uh, in the moment. I, I, uh, I've run two organizations that I know of. One's the Rolf Institute, and one's the Guild for Structural Integration. And most people that get into this field, they want to be their own boss. You know, I, I, I'm going to do this on my own. Yeah, okay. Try and organize those people. Try and get, I'm my own boss, to listen to someone who's saying, hey, let's see if we can do this together. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a parody. So that last week, it just ended. Is it Friday already? Was it this week? I can't even remember. See, the, 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 uh, when I was leaving the Rolf Institute as president, and um, someone stood up and said, Neil, you're so much in the present, you don't know where the here is. Or you're so much in the now, you don't know where the here is. And I thought, oh, I think, is that supposed to be a compliment, or is it an <laughs> insult? But it sure fit me. I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> But I think it was an insult. I could, didn't matter. I took it as a compliment. <laughs> so yes, uh, Andrew, that's, uh, that's the field of the unknown, is how do you differentiate a body and then have the client own that new space where there's less contraction and more, move, more deeper movement, where the, it just, it, that's, it's really an art. And uh, it's, uh, I think the people that have that ability to say, there you are, that, that you just did it, that was great, that I don't, that's not my field of expertise. I, I kind of, just because I just find my way of affecting their central uh, connection, their connection, just by doing the work and coming from intention. Boy, if that's the most important word today, that is intention. You have to have the intention of what you're going to do. I'm going to work on the outside of the body. I'm going to go deeper now. You, you have to intend. And... Emmett used to use intention all the time, and I thought, oh, it's got the word tension in it. I don't know if I like that word, but, but the sound of it, the phonetic. But it really is important that, to have the intention of doing good work. It's, it's got to be a theme. You can't think about the argument or the grocery list, or you just have to focus in the moment uh, when you're working with people and have the intention of making them more whole. Yay. Yeah, that's a good wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I probably have that same problem now that you brought it up. Now I'm going to think about it. Yeah, thanks. Another little thing. To... <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn you. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good, Kim. Uh, yeah, projection. I think uh, maybe projection is more of an outside action and intuition is more of an inside uh, action. 
I trust my intuition more than my projection. But honestly, I don't know if I'm projecting my intuition or intuiting my projection. Damn you. <laughs> Another stick in the swamp. So let's take a little break. We'll just kind of move around a little. We'll take uh, five, ten minutes. Bathroom break? <laughs> 